Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Financial turmoil in Asia has been the focus all week long. Against that backdrop, we have a high-profile meeting with Asian leaders at Camp David today. President Biden meets the heads of state from Japan and South Korea for a summit on global tensions. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Ed Baxter has that story. It is the Camp David Trilateral Summit, President Joe Biden hosting Prime Minister Fumio Kishida and President Yoon Suk-yeol. Brigadier General Patrick Ryder speaking for the White House says very important event. What we expect to see uh, to be significant outcomes that will cement our trilateral cooperation going forward. Uh, the deliverables that you'll see coming out of that will take that, that relationship to a new level. North Korea was a centerpiece of yesterday's UN Security Council meeting regarding human rights. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, and thanks. And we have a political note this morning involving Donald Trump. The former president has canceled a news conference planned for Monday. He had wanted to use the event to promote unfounded claims that the 2020 election was stolen. Trump says his lawyers urged him not to do so. Instead, the former president says he will make his case in legal filings. Moving overseas now to China, economic concerns in that country are still weighing on markets. China's state-owned property developers this morning warning of widespread losses. 18 out of 38 builders listed in Hong Kong and China reported preliminary losses in the first half. And this morning, China's Evergrande Group filed for Chapter 15 bankruptcy protection in New York. Dan Moss is a Bloomberg Opinion columnist based in Singapore. We know the property sector's in trouble. If we're getting some quantifiable numbers from these private sector filings, then that's good because, in other ways, China is closing off access to economic data. You'll recall earlier this week they said they would suspend publication of youth unemployment data. It just so happens that that data showed most recently a very high level of youth unemployment. Would they have suspended it if it was showing a very low level? Bloomberg Opinion columnist Dan Moss says China's flattering or faltering, rather faltering economic growth and housing crisis are fueling concerns of contagion. And in the wake of those concerns, Amy, China's central bank is stepping up support for the yuan. The PBOC said its daily reference rate for the currency at the strongest level ever. That's compared to estimates in a Bloomberg survey. We're also told Chinese authorities are telling state banks to ramp up intervention in the currency market. Staying in Asia now, we got fresh inflation data from Japan overnight. And for the first time in 30 years, price growth in services hit 2% in July. The acceleration is a long-awaited development for the Bank of Japan as it looks for sustainable inflation before normalizing policy. 
Also happening in Japan today, Amy, a visit from the world's richest man. Elon Musk is in the country for his first known visit in nine years. The CEO of Tesla, SpaceX, and X, formerly Twitter, arrived yesterday. It's his second trip to Asia this year. He was in China earlier, where he met with government officials and visited Tesla's Shanghai factory. And we have company news back here in the U.S. Goldman Sachs appears to be under pressure from the Federal Reserve. That's according to sources who say the regulatory scrutiny has Goldman going on a hiring spree. Bloomberg's Doug Krisner has those details. We're told Goldman is enlisting several hundred new staffers to help address concerns from U.S. banking regulators, although it's unclear what deficiencies the firm is seeking to address. Last year, Goldman's effort to build out a new consumer bank was said to have set off questions from the Fed, but the plan has largely been abandoned. Some managers blame the failure for inviting regulatory attention. But to be fair, regulators routinely question large financial firms. Goldman executives privately describe growing pressure from the Fed over the past year. In New York. I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thanks. Severe weather also in focus this morning. We're seeing a powerful hurricane headed toward the southwestern U.S. and torrential rain could hit starting uh, soon as today. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest on the storm that's building in the Pacific Ocean. Rob. Karen and Amy, Hurricane Hillary continues to intensify off the southwestern side of Baja, California. The system is going to be moving northward along the western coast of Baja, California. It will continue to intensify over the next 24 hours. Then as it gets over cooler water, it will weaken. Its track is going to bring gusty winds and some extremely heavy rain to portions of the southwest in California. Many areas in California as far north as Utah are under flash flood watches, and these will persist into the weekend. It looks like the rain continues to spread northward through the west early next week. I'm Rob Carolyn, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Rob, thank you. Elsewhere in the South, we are seeing more spikes in Texas power prices. Spot electricity prices surged 6,000 percent as the state grid faces some of the tightest conditions so far this summer. Real-time prices on the grid jumped to nearly $5,000 a megawatt hour, up from roughly $75 the day before. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT, is currently asking consumers to cut usage. If reserves stay narrow, it could trigger a so-called level one emergency that allows our got to call on more backup supplies. Thank you, Karen. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. The head of the Maui Emergency Management Agency has resigned after facing criticism for not activating disaster sirens during last week's deadly wildfires that killed at least 111 people. The county of Maui announced that Herman Andea cited unspecified health reasons for leaving his post. On Wednesday, Andea defended the decision not to sound sirens, saying officials were afraid it would have prompted people to flee toward the mountains or inland or into the flames. Meanwhile, FEMA spokesman John Mills in Maui says that the agency is taking a very somber and respectful approach to the tragedy. One of our urban search and rescue task force leaders said this was the worst disaster he's ever seen. And that's coming from someone um, and the team that was involved in 9-11. 
Mills also said that FEMA is coordinating federal support with the state and is in no way taking over. The Justice Department is seeking 33 years in prison for Enrique Terrio, the former Proud Boys leader convicted of seditious conspiracy in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Terrio and three lieutenants were convicted by a Washington jury in May of conspiring to block the transfer of presidential power in the 2020 election. A Mississippi judge has cited police errors in declaring a mistrial for two white men accused of chasing and shooting at a black FedEx employee who was making a delivery. Brandon Case and his father Gregory Case are charged with attempted first-degree murder, conspiracy, and shooting into the vehicle driven by DeMontario Gibson in January of 2022. Judge David Strong said he made the decision because of errors by a Brookhaven Police Department detective. Parents are being urged to put childhood vaccinations on their back-to-school checklist. New York City Health Commissioner Dr. Ashwin Vassen says that he is focused on disease prevention among asylum seekers' children entering schools. We're screening everyone and offering uh, vaccination to everyone. The Department of Homeland Security and the CDC are offering COVID, are giving COVID vaccinations at the southern border. In New York, all childhood vaccines, including shots for measles, polio, and chickenpox, are required by state law. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 510 on Wall Street. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update. And for that, we bring in John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. A year ago, the Yankees finished in first place. The Red Sox finished last 21 games behind. Different story now. Yanks are in the cellar. Three games behind Boston. The two arch rivals start a weekend series at the stadium. Yanks losers of their last five. They're under 500, and they list their starting pitcher tonight as undecided. Mets at Jose Quintana on the mound in St. Louis. He got his first win as a Met. 4-2 over the Cardinals, who like the Mets, a playoff team a year ago, but having a very rough 2023 Dodgers playoff team every year. Last night, they got a home run from Austin Barnes, eighth inning, his first homer of the season. They topped Milwaukee one to nothing. The Dodgers have won 11 games in a row. Preseason football in Philadelphia. Eagles fans booed their new backup quarterback, Marcus Mariota, who struggled in a game with Cleveland that ended with the unusual final score of 18 to 18. Two games at MetLife this weekend. Giants and Panthers tonight. Daniel Jones might play if he doesn't. Giants coach Brian Dable says he definitely will next week against the Jets, who will again not play Aaron Rodgers tomorrow against Tampa Bay. Rodgers as a new teammate, veteran running back Dalvin Cook, who used to go against Rodgers twice a year while with Minnesota. Being on the other side of that for the last six years, you know, I couldn't be on the other side no more. So it was just like being, I got the chance to go join them and, you know, help them win, win again. You know, that was, that was a big thing to come. Come over here. Another running back, the Bengals' Joe Mixon, found not guilty in a road rage case dating back to January. BMW Golf, damp day outside Chicago. Co-leaders after the opening round, Rory McIlroy and the recent British Open champ, Brian Harmon, both shot 65. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. 
a brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. We continue to follow the economic developments in China as state-owned property developers are warning of widespread losses. The PBOC stepping up its support for the yuan. We are joined now by Bloomberg macro strategist Mark Cudmore, who's going to sort it all out for us. Mark, thanks for taking the time. What is the risk or is there a risk of contagion? Good morning, Amy. Absolutely, there is some risk of contagion, but it's very important to understand exactly what method that contagion is going to come. So the economic impact of China's deceleration is really important for the rest of the world. We've got to remember it is the world's largest trading partner. That is not the U.S. So that is really important for the growth story in many other countries. However, the financial market impact is much less. Not only are Chinese financial markets already been trading a structurally broken story for some time. But foreign money, foreign participation is extremely low already. People who wanted to get out of the China story have long got out over the last couple of years. And so, therefore, the direct transmission from financial market pain isn't as direct. So it'll continue to weigh on sentiment because the economic story, but that's more of a slow-moving one and harder to interpret, rather than we're going to get sudden capitulation losses in other markets because of China's equity selling off. But it seems like there's some aggression here from the PBOC stepping in to support the currency while cutting interest rates. That, Well, I know what I think, but what would you make of those latest moves? Actually, look, I know it sounds very counterintuitive to both be kind of easing does, monetary policy yeah. on the rate side and yet be defending the, the currency when you think that a lower currency is what the, the country needs. However, it does kind of make sense because while they want a, a weaker yuan, it's all about managing the pace of that. What they cannot afford in a market where there are no animal spirits left, where the, the sentiment from both co- company spending and uh, consumers is completely broken, is they can't afford a panic of capital outflows like they had uh, seven or eight years ago when they let kind of yuan depreciate too quickly. So therefore, they want to manage it. And actually, what's been really interesting is over the last few weeks, the yuan has been one of the world's stronger currencies because it's during a massive dollar squeeze higher. And because the PBOC has managed it against the dollar, in fact, the yuan has outperformed many other currencies. So if you see the yuan against the CFETs basket, for example, it has generally gone higher for most of the last weeks, actually gone quite sharply higher for the last weeks until the last couple of days where it fell back a bit again. So what they'll probably do is that when the dollar t- turns softer again, they just won't let the yuan appreciate as great a rate. So actually what you see is the yuan depreciates on a trade-weighted basis much more when the dollar is falling, even though you don't see that in the dollar-yuan exchange rate. Let's just focus then specifically on China and not so much contagion, but are they at risk of losing their standing as one of the strongest GDPs in the world? I mean, are they, are they slipping? No, 
They're not, not a risk. I mean, it's the world's second largest economy, and it's going to stay the world's second largest economy for a long time to come. And they're so far clearly ahead of the other opposition. And we've got to remember that, um, you know, even though they're going to disappoint on growth this year, we're talking about growth of like maybe four, four and a half percent. It's growth that most developed markets would dream about. Um, and, you know, and in fact, while people are talking about the official level being down to just below five percent, even the unofficial levels that people think might be actually lower, you know, three and a half, four percent, again, it, they'll actually be closing the gap on the U.S. on an economic basis over the coming years, the difference is that the, the currency valuation is changing that. So uh, China's share of global GDP relative to the U.S. did shrink last year, but that was much more due to the currency impact because we're in a stronger dollar environment. However, most of the world seems to be the consensus that we've now had a strong dollar for many of years, and we seem to be at the start of a new, longer-term uh, dollar down wave, and that will probably actually help China regain share. So, no, it, China's place as second-largest economy is not under threat at all. Now, investors are clearly focused on what's going on with China and the economic situation there. I'm curious, is that where we should be focusing? What are you focusing on? Look, it's a good question. I, look, I think the China story is massive, and, and I'm based in Singapore, so I'm based in the region, and so we can't get beyond it every day. But I, I do still think that the, the bigger story, and the thing that's trading off this month, we've got to remember that there's been a couple of dynamics this month, and one is the higher yield story, that's leading to the stronger dollar story, and the China you know, negativity. And they're the things we kind of come in day after day in August. But in fact, Chinese markets aren't doing any worse than most global markets uh, over the, this month, right? We, we're generally seeing equities elsewhere sell off, and particularly in the U.S., and, and, and that is much more about the, the U.S. yield story. And, and the, the backdrop here is that I think people are coming to the terms of the fact that, hey, maybe the inflation story isn't kind of won as easily. And maybe that, yes, we've, we've, we've contained inflation to some extent, but at a way too high a level, that the labor market is still, still too strong, inflation is going to prove too sticky, and that there, people are starting to kind of come around to the idea that we might really be in a, in a new higher rates world. Um, so, and I think that's an interesting backdrop, especially with Jackson Hole next week. I am personally very much in the camp that we have not seen the peak in this yield cycle. I've been a long-term kind of bond bear, and I remain a long-term structural bond bear, even despite the yield rise we've seen over the last couple of years. What I will say is, in the very short term, I kind of think we're already priced for a relatively hawkish Jackson Hole, so I'm less excited in the short-term dynamics of bonds selling off much further from here in the short term, but I do think structurally yields are going higher. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders. 
when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.